always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Switch your home to Sky Broadband today. See sky.ie for more. Earlier this week, Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly arrived at Tuesday's Cabinet meeting ready to finally sign off on the new National Maternity Hospital. Just as the deal looked like it might go through, some ministers and TDs pushed back, complaining that the approval of the decision was being rushed. The reason we have this shambles, the reason we have the delay, is because your government and successive governments have insisted that private companies controlled by religious orders must remain in the picture. Others were concerned that some women's health services might not be made available at the new maternity hospital. The constitution of the new National Maternity Hospital contains twice within it, two separate clauses, this phrase that the hospital will offer all clinically appropriate and legally permissible health care. And it's that clinically appropriate phrase that I think does raise serious concerns. This issue has been under debate for the guts of a decade, as political correspondent Jennifer Bray explains. I think it really kind of took on a life of its own after 2013. It became a really tangible thing that politicians talked about. And it isn't unfair to say that ever since then, the entire thing has been completely beset by delays and complications and arguments and rows. And they all kind of centred around the same things, these governance, ownership and religious ethos. The only law that matters is the law of the land. That's the only law that matters. The only law that will govern the new uh, National Maternity Hospital is the same law that governs every healthcare facility in this country, which is the law of the land. I'm Sarah Chapalak and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today, why can't the government get the new National Maternity Hospital over the line? Jen, can we jump back to 2013 for a minute? Because... It feels like this conversation about the new National Maternity Hospital has been going on for a very, very long time. Why back in 2013 was it felt that this new centre was so badly needed? I think the situation in Hollis Street, from what, you know, we've heard it publicly, um, senior clinicians who've been out on the airwaves, who've been on television, who talk to us in in the Irish Times, they say that for at least the last decade, the hospital has been unfit for purpose. You know, they talk about women who are bleeding, having to, you know, cross corridors to find uh, bathrooms that they can use. They talk about women being kind of all hemmed in together on these wards that aren't fit for purpose, that the infrastructure effectively is not fit for purpose anymore. And everybody agrees that. I haven't heard a single person say, well, no, actually, it's fine for the moment. Everybody agrees this is long overdue. And I think that's why there's so much political heat in this at the moment, because there's many health ministers that have gone before who have not managed to get this over the line. And it would have been a significant achievement for Stephen Donnelly this week to have done that. And I think that's evidenced by the fact that on the night after the cabinet meeting, there was a press conference arranged and there was all of these senior clinicians like Rona Mahoney, really respected individuals, all ready to go. And it was obvious they were planning to kind of celebrate at last, you know, this deal is done and it didn't happen. And you could sense like that the electricity and fizz and the excitement had kind of gone out of the room and that, that urgency was back again amongst clinicians. We must not let this project fall apart because of misinformation. We must remember at all times what is at stake here, what we can create for women in this country. And this is an opportunity that must not be missed. It really matters. 
Over the last decade, there have been delays and complications. So what have been the main roadblocks that the National Maternity Hospital Plan has come up against before this week? Before this week, one of the biggest controversies would have been in 2017. This was when um, the government was proceeding kind of almost at the same part of the process as they are now like they were that far ahead I think and they were about to, it was kind of coming to cabinet and all that but it emerged that the religious sisters of charity who owned the land that they effectively would end up owning it and the problem was you know this is taxpayer funded maternity hospital why is it being built on land that is going to be owned by the nuns how did the government think this was okay why didn't they think it through and I think then afterwards there were all these negotiations effectively to find a way to transfer the shareholding and you know there was conversations at the time about what the how the church felt about this I think the archbishop at the time said that he very much wanted to see the National Maternity Hospital built there and I think he was happy enough with the the shares being transferred over to this new company but he did say he would continue to publicly oppose abortions happening in the hospital and I think comments like that which is obviously fully entitled to make they made a lot of people uncomfortable about the role of Religion. There was also a debate around the fact that the constitution of this new company had these terms that sounded very familiar to the core kind of principles of Mary Aikenhead, you know, kind of justice and compassion and a voice for the voiceless. So it created a lot of unease, particularly amongst critics like Peter Boylan, that there would be a religious ethos and that it wouldn't be the case that women wouldn't be given access to terminations. It just might be the case that it wouldn't be as clear cut. So that, to be honest with you, was the biggest stumbling block, that in governance and ownership, of course, which is still an issue. Right. So bringing it up to this week, it seems that some of those issues that you've just outlined there are still at play here, namely the ownership of the land. So just to be clear, because this is quite complicated, the plan is to relocate the National Maternity Hospital from its current Hollis Street location in Dublin city centre to a site on the St Vincent's Hospital campus in South Dublin. Now, this land was owned by the Religious Sisters of Charity, but last week the Religious Order transferred their shareholding to a new charitable body called St Vincent's Holdings, CLG. Jen, who or what exactly is this new body that now owns the land? And what is the controversy about now? This will be basically, the shareholding has been transferred to St Vincent's Holding. Um, the religious order have said they're not going to have any further involvement in the project. And that's that, basically. This is the company, like I said, that will hold those shares in, in terms of the land and that will own the land. And that that company will lease the land to the state for 299 years. And this is one of the bones of contention. Why doesn't the state own the land? Why can't the state buy the land? And have we got a full and proper answer to that yet? I don't think so, to be honest with you. And until a convincing argument can be put forward by government that doesn't involve, oh, it's very expensive or, oh, it could take a very long time, I think they'll they'll struggle. And, you know, I, I, I asked Stephen Donnelly this yesterday, you know, if the land is such a major issue and if this St. Vincent's Holding is going to lease it to the state for 299 years and he says it's cost a tenner a year, basically, why not just gift the land permanently to the state? And we kind of went back and forth on this for a while anyway, and he basically said... So essentially, we, we have been gifted the land for 300 years. Now, the, the estimated working life of the hospital is about 40 to 50 years, right? So we have the land 
essentially for essentially for free. Well, they didn't want to. They didn't want to, right? They didn't want to, which would be the various parties involved between you know the National Maternity Hospital, St Vincent's, in the in the negotiations to to relocate. They didn't want to, and he said he took legal advice, Stephen Donnelly. And he said that on the basis that the state has access to land for 300 years, what case do they have to want to own it? Labour Party leader Ivana Bacek, who has been speaking about women's reproductive rights for decades, has called on the state to issue a compulsory purchase order for this land on which the new maternity hospital will be built. Can you just remind our listeners what is a compulsory purchase order and would this work? Basically, it's where the state can mandate that whatever land they want to buy, that, that they effectively have the power to do that, regardless of, of, of the owner. Now, the problem with that, of course, is that in a compulsory purchase order situation, there are appeals, you know, there are, there's a whole framework around. You don't just get to go in there and say, I want this land where the government, where the state were taking it from you. There's a whole process. Um, and the, the appeal section of it can last years. It can become extremely technical, extremely legal, extremely fraught. And there's no guarantees at the end of it that the appeal will fall in favour of of the state. And bogging this thing down in a legal fight before it's even got started, the government feels is not the way to go about this project. But of course, then it begs the question, why can't the state just buy the land? And that is something that I asked Stephen Donnelly about as well. And he kind of said, well, that would basically, he said, it'd be expensive. It'd be interesting to know how much you'd have to spend <laughs> on that land in that Except place. Except right. bigger going around at one stage. Right. Yep. Uh, but if that's what people want and if, if, it, if it can be afforded, and it seems to me a lot of things can be afforded lately, then perhaps that's, that's something they need to take a, a greater look at. But I know for a fact that the Taoiseach Miel Martin was speaking at the Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party meeting on Wednesday night, and apparently he was really very strong. And I hear that he is you know, beyond frustrated at how long this is taking. But, you know, these are legitimate questions about state ownership. And when the government said, but this thing has been delayed for so long, women can't wait another day. It's like, well, why? Why is there a delay? It's not women's fault. It's because this hasn't been properly handled by previous governments in terms of negotiations, in terms of ownership. So saying that well, we have to do this now or else we're never going to do it is not going to cut the mustard. I think they're going to have to say, well, OK, that's not women's fault that this thing has been delayed. Here's what we need to consider. And look, if CPO is one of those options, I personally don't see that happening. Then perhaps they should have an honest conversation as well about, OK, if we're going to do a CPO, we're going to take this land. Here is exactly what to expect. Here is the likely costs and here's the potential outcomes. And people, they need to be honest about that. And bringing things back to Tuesday, government ministers and opposition TDs have expressed serious concerns about the clinical and operational independence of this new National Maternity Hospital. Can you tell me, Jen, what are their main worries and what negative outcomes do they foresee happening? Yeah, I think the big fear is that if, firstly, it's a, there's an issue in relation to state investment. You know, if we're going to spend a billion, why can't we own the land? Whereas I think Stephen Donnelly would say, well, there's plenty of hospitals built on which the state doesn't own the land. So, you know, this is kind of a moot argument. Um, the other issue that has kind of come up is we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier on about when the Religious Sisters of Charity transferred their shareholding, they sought Vatican approval, which I think they were obliged to do and they received that. And there was documentation, which was uh, reported by the Sunday Times, um, which seemed to suggest that, you know, this transfer will be subject to canon law. Now, the St. Vincent's say that's not the case. Those involved with the project say that's not the case. But I think the concern that politicians have is, 
Are there other documentation that stipulate exactly what terms under which the church was or the, the Vatican was happy to see this land given to the state for 219 years or transferred into the into this body? And that is a question that I don't think, again, we've had a really clear answer on. Because again, it brings up this issue of if there are terms, what does that mean? And if there are terms, why are there terms from the Vatican? And if there aren't any terms, then, you know, say that. So that's one of the things that opposition politicians support. And look, if there's nothing there and if there are no such stipulations and if canon law treaty doesn't apply, I think they need to find a way to really communicate this people to people without leaving any ambiguity around it. Because once again, it feeds back in to people's concerns about estate investment on land that could potentially maybe have these terms attached, which, which, by the way, everybody else denies. One of the biggest concerns from critics, including, as you've mentioned, the former master of the National Maternity, Maternity Hospital, Peter Boylan, is that Catholic institutions or those connected even at a distance to the church don't do women's reproductive health, which means procedures such as abortion, IVF and sterilisation might not happen in this new hospital. Do current practices in other hospitals connected to the church bear out this argument? I think they do. Um, I think if you do accept kind of that argument, you know, that basically those Catholic run hospitals traditionally across the, the globe um, don't provide those services, which is true, then of course you're going to have that argument in that conversation. An interesting, I suppose, example of this would be in St. Vincent's Hospital, you can get a sterilization, but only when it's clinically required and as part of another procedure. So basically, not exclusively to get a sterilization effectively. So that's why we come back to this argument about, you know, who deems what is clinically appropriate, you know, what is clinically appropriate and who, who says that. You can't get IVF um, in St. Vincent's at present. Equally, I don't think that's available in Hollis Street either, just, you know, to be totally fair. Um, but I do, I do think you can pay for it in, in a private clinic. Now, what St. Vincent say is that all that being the case, when they, you know, they talk about becoming a more widely secular campus and they talk about this hospital on this land being leased to the state, being a body in and of itself, a hospital run by itself with its own constitution and its own board and, you know, separate to St. Vincent's Hospital. So they say even those arguments about sterilization, IVF, etc., tubal ligation, whatever it is, they don't apply. They won't apply to the maternity hospital. But you can understand why people would say, well, if it's not done in this part of the hospital, because they will be linked if it's not available in section A over in Vincent's, how would it be available in section B? Now, all of the, not all of the, but there are very many senior clinicians in the Hollis Street National Maternity Hospital who say they provide these services at the moment and they're going to go over to the new campus and nobody's going to stop them. And they say it's crazy to think otherwise, which you, you'd be very convinced by. Equally, there are these questions and there are these facts, you know, about... Catholic, what happens in, in other hospitals with Catholic ethos? And that's fair enough. And, and they are the things the government need to iron out over the next two weeks or less. Coming up, the government has postponed a decision on this deal for two weeks. But is there a chance it could fall through? Never suffer the buffer again. Always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Whether you're streaming on the sofa, gaming in the bedroom, or swiping in the bathroom. Hey! Get out of here! 
I said swiping. You'll never be without it. Switch your home to 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Availability subject to location requires Sky Broadband Ultrafast. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. 99.9% reliability based on time our broadband network works across our base. So the government is now delaying the decision on whether to approve this plan for two weeks. What will happen in the interim, Jen? Well, I think there'll be debate, I think. And that will that will take place in the newspapers, on the airwaves, on the telly. And you're going to hear a lot about religious ethos. You're going to hear about canon law or lack of canon law. Like we were talking about the ins and outs of CPO, um, the cost of land. And what we're going to have, especially next week when the Oireachtas Committee on Health discuss this, is a forensic look into those legal documents. You know, are they cast iron? Are there cast iron guarantees? Which there, there does appear to be in relation to the availability of all procedures. It will basically be debate. And the whole, te- the whole point of the controversy earlier this week was that opposition politicians wanted this to be debated in the Oireachtas in the Health Committee and the Dáil and the Shannad before approval by government. And then I think when they heard it was going to cabinet anyway, there was a campaign mounted effectively and, you know, everyone hit the phones and the, those TDs and the ministers came under intense pressure. There were fears in the Green Party about all of this being rushed. There was fears in Fine Gael about this being rushed. And so, of course, the, the, the memo wasn't agreed. So they should have probably done this before. They should have definitely done this before. Here are the documents. Let's have the debate. Let's clear this all up. And when we're ready to go, let's go before cabinet. And then let's have our big press conference. After all that, you know, probably a lesson to be learned there. Is there any chance that this deal will fall through over the next fortnight? And if that happens, what then? I think there is a chance that the deal could fall through, but I think that chance is slim. I think if what the government is saying is true, that there's cast iron guarantees, all procedures will be available, there is no religious ethos, there is no issue with state ownership and that there is proper governance over this and proper state representation um, and no issues on the board. If they can prove all those things to be true in a way that alleviates everybody's concerns, I, I do think this will go ahead. Having said that, I know that there is concern in government that amongst a growing number of people, there is a lot of unease about questions maybe that haven't been fully answered, which we kind of, which we've addressed. And I know they're worried that how big could could that get, basically? How big could that movement become if we can't adequately explain this? And if there does turn out to be any issue in terms of the legal documentation, I think that would be problematic. Um, So overall, I do think it will will get through, but there is a chance that actually it doesn't. Doesn't this really all come down to the trust between the Irish public, particularly younger Irish people, and the Catholic Church. I mean, so much of this is tied up with women's fractured and dark history in this country when it comes to the church. So as long as the church's name is connected in any way to this plan, some people will just understandably never be happy. Yeah, and I mean, that is a legitimate point, really legitimate point. And I think that's where a lot of the discomfort is coming from. You know, if we'd never had issues in this country between church and state and what that meant for women's lives and for women's health, then perhaps we would never have had that debate about the nuns owning the land because it wouldn't have been an issue. But it is an issue because of our history. You know, nobody needs me to remind them about the recent debate about mother and baby homes and all of the really, really heart-rending and just devastating testimony that we heard from women who were in those institutions and what they had to suffer and the role of the church, the role of the state, 
the state, you know, were hand in hand with the church a lot of the time. And we know that we've seen all the evidence going back decades. So, of course, it's going to be the case that women are going to, a lot of women are going to be distrustful. It's only a couple of years ago that we had the referendum to repeal the eighth. It's really not that long. We're only three years into this, really, um, having uh, uh, laws that mean, you know, women can have a choice over their reproductive health effectively. So we, I think we like to think in many ways we've come really far in this country and in some ways we have. But I think people who have fought and, and campaigned would look at this and say, let's not be regressive about this. You know, let's not say, oh, sure, we always had land owned by the nuns. What's the problem? Let's be forward thinking and saying in future, let's have a country under which a maternity hospital is fully owned by the state on land fully owned by the state. And I think that that's the forward thinking version. People don't want to go back. And you can understand why I completely as a woman, like, of course. Um, so I, I think that I think it's I think it's fair to say that the our history has completely coloured our present. Jennifer Bray, thanks so much for your time. That's all for today. And you can read more on the debate around the new National Maternity Hospital at irishtimes.com. This episode was produced by Jennifer Ryan and Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back on Monday. <laughs>